most of the times they get carried away thinking our customer is me. Like if I like it or, or if people in my circle like it, then that's a great product. But having the insight key who is your customer if your product is made for him or her then getting the insight from him or her about the product will take you a long way it will also give yeah. you very like humble rooted grounded because initially when we uh, sold our uh, beverages which was zero sugar these the ones i'm drinking a lot of the customers came back to us and they said that we didn't like it you know because it's unsweetened so we thought mm. it's where you must have put stevia or you must have put something else to kind of make it sweet you know but it's unsweetened and you know why did you do that you should put stevia in it so you get all kinds of advice hi i'm kosambi a super hearty welcome to shelf season 2 powered by mason Join me as I speak with some of the most amazing and trailblazing founders, enablers and even investors in the world of commerce. We are going to uncover the latest in consumer trends, find out about game-changing technologies and dive into those instinctive bets that are reshaping the world of commerce as we know today. So tune in and let's learn about the building blocks of commerce together. Welcome back to season 2 and episode 4 and I'm super excited today because I'm talking to a friend a classmate Jyoti proud mother of Arastu and Agastya darling of the Shark Tank India season 2 audience and also co-founder at Tfit a little bit of a background before we hand over the mic to her Jyoti is Mumbai based and uh, Tfit I mean you would be under the rock if you haven't heard about it already it offers functional healthy and no sugar beverages today what we're going to do is we're going to dive into her backstory being a solopreneur uh, being a mother and uh, also how she's managing to scale up such an amazing business with a very very lean team so let's dive in into how Jyoti's brewing success in a competitive market with her home co- homegrown tea brand tea fit before everything else uh, jyoti welcome uh, you know i love tea as with a billion and a half of us i guess but uh, there's it's one thing to love something and another to give up a steadily growing career and put your busy busy personal life into turmoil almost with your own business and your own tea business talk to us about it why tea and how did it all happen first of all thank you so much for having me on the show it's an absolute pleasure to to see a classmate thriving doing so well and absolutely my pleasure to be here today if you ask me for the back story i feel like it's a perfect storm of a lot of things that kind of came together it wasn't uh, predestined i don't come from a business family i'm the only person in both my families combined to have kind of stepped into entrepreneurship so there is no family orientation towards business we are from service class people where they say are you crazy why would you give up a career to you know pursue business which is so risky and that to after kids and it is uh, just takes such a toll on you but i feel more than me choosing it i think it chose me i've had a fairly uh, successful career after business school and i did get some time to travel to japan and i do come from a diabetic family where we were not exposed to sugary beverages while growing up and i was blown away with what i saw during my time in japan so many healthy beverages brewed from traditional japanese herbs teas um, their own little plants and very proudly showcased on every beverage aisle and uh, in every vending machine like for every cola or an energy drink or a fruit based beverage you would find so many of these tea based beverages that were really healthy 
flavorful and you could just tell that you're having something nice and what kind of really got my uh, attention was that a lot of these uh, good for you brands were owned by cola majors and while here they were kind of still giving us the bottom of the pyramid products and uh, I had no experience, honestly, in beverage. I think I was crazy when I look back. That's why I started. But I had uh, paid off my uh, expensive education loan. We come from the same business school. So you know how it is for a middle class person. So it took me a couple of years to do that. I was doing well at housing. But I had spent a good three years uh, at housing.com, which was a funded startup here based out of Mumbai. And uh, honestly, in three years, I had seen everything. I had seen the big uh, like founder exit and then stabilizing the company then the whole acquisition process, all of it. There wasn't much for me to learn uh, like after that. And that was my second startup when thoda courage like I don't know if your audience is fully English speaking or Hindi. So if I keep switching between languages, you can correct me. Totally fine. Totally. So thoda confidence ki, okay, if I've done this two times, maybe I can do this for myself. I was crazy to get into beverages. I don't know how I managed to come here today, but uh, I literally started from scratch. Like, how do you brew tea in a factory? Like, that's how I Googled and I kind of started. Glad to see that I've made it this far and uh, very committed to taking it ahead. Absolutely. So tell us a bit, uh, you know, about the early stages. Um, I read about it. We, of course, haven't had the opportunity to catch up. But um, you launched offline and very quickly shifted online. Over the last couple of years, you've launched very many different products too, including your recent viral, I would say, T-Mix. I, I, I saw it like on BuzzFeed, it was trending. So how are you taking all these decisions? What signals are you listening to from your consumers to almost take these leaps of faith and kind of be where you are today. Right. So I wouldn't say that I'm very long term in that sense. I was very committed to the first line of products that we started with, which is these uh, beverages. And then I kind of learned from customer feedback. I learned from our uh, like shipping online, how expensive it is if it's a liquid beverage. So that kind of you closely study your business while you're growing it. A lot of ideas kind of appear from there that okay i need not uh, ship liquid i need to find a formulation that can take the water out of it so that i can do this profitably and sustainably and so that's how the idea of premixes uh, kind of came to be i tried almost everything that's on the market as far as premixes go and they were so loaded with sugar and uh, about 55 to 60 percent sugar in a premix um, session so when we started to rework that we knew that we have to completely revamp it in a way that the flavor doesn't get compromised, the mouthfeel doesn't get compromised, and we can cut the sugar out uh, fully. So very proudly, uh, you know, made a range of uh, beverages in premix form that deliver that, that deliver very high quality. And uh, I think the virality kind of comes when you make a good product. And uh, so we have always focused kind of on the fundamentals. We were never in a hurry. I feel like that also worked in my favor that I was not in a hurry that, you know, I have to get to this place in six months and this place in one year. We wanted to build long-term value for customers. And uh, I feel that really helped us keep our focus very, very strictly on product. That if it's going out of defense stable, it has to be world-class. So, and keeping that kind of ethos in mind, uh, we are developing all our uh, line of products. We are currently working on some extracts that are like ready to deliver uh, in water. And uh, so that's uh, the kind of product mixes that we're going ahead with. A lot of it is consumer insights. A lot of it is just spending time in trade with your distributors, 
with the shopkeepers just standing in the aisle and watching what customers are buying or just talking to them outside the mall and seeing you know how they like it what is it that they don't like in current premixes or in current uh, beverage uh, uh, aisle and then you will get the ideas from there so it's not a lot of kind of research based but it's more uh, on ground uh, feedback from customers from trade from uh, uh, shipping online so yeah definitely that goes to this heartwarming story i saw about shushanto they right who actually you the secret uh, <laughs> the secret uh, customer who was ordering tons on amazon and who found you i think for for the listeners you got to repeat that story <laughs> i have to repeat that but before that i also have to repeat the harsh mariwala ji story is that i bumped into him at an event for which he graciously, his team graciously invited us and uh, we were talking about tea and his love for tea and he's like i miss good tea when i travel and uh, he named a tea brand uh, which is the dominant leader right now in the premix space and he said i'm quite satisfied with that and so i took a leap of faith let me send you mine and i did and then he was so kind enough to send me a mail saying i have tried one of your products it is on par with what currently i am drinking which was a great sign for us and then uh, the next day he sent us another mail saying I tried the second one and uh, might I add that I have replaced my uh, existing assortment with all your products and I'm currently traveling with it and he sent me a picture so that kind of validation really made my day and earning uh, customers like Sushanto uh, I feel like when you build a brand from grounds up and when you kind of done it brick by brick I feel like customers also resonate with you they don't treat you like a brand I think there's somewhere brand gets a lot more humanized so they reach out to you on in ways like this so when you get customers like this it kind of validates all the effort that you put in product development like i could have launched this on kosh like 9 months ago with six iterations but we were not happy we could have launched this with a with a maltodextrin fill with a filler so there are all kinds of uh, chemicals or filters that are there that make up most of these but to your eye they look very nice the flow is very nice because there is a non anti caking agent to it so when you pour it in your cup it just flows you know beautifully but it's thanks to chemicals so in the absence of all, all of that it took us a really long time but when you get uh, customer validation like from mr sushantu in fact after that he sent me a picture from a flight in air france saying your product is traveling with me uh, and so it's incredible the kind of love we get from customers when you're talking about both there are two very extreme stories of two loyal customers right one is the head of marico and then there is uh, you know a small business owner and another fellow founder i would say fundamentally they love your tea they are your vocal evangelists right like what's the fundamental insight from both these different you know meetings and conversations you've had is it that the product you get the product right and the rest uh, falls in place i wouldn't say that if you get the product right alone and it falls into place but if you don't get the product right everything else could be right and it will definitely never fall into place so a right product alone may not be good enough but a poor product no matter how much you push it through marketing you initiate trials you know you put 10 million dollars behind a large ad campaign and you get everybody to try it once but that's not at least to my understanding that's not how you build business it's the second po that matters it's the second purchase that matters it's the second time somebody comes to you and says i want to repeat my order i think if the product is fundamentally not mind blowing then it's very hard to do that so increasingly i find uh, 
we are tempted to fall into shortcuts where you know you can just give it to a contract manufacturer and you can kind of just work on the great label but uh, if your product is not solid gold then it's very hard that you will stay the long game and we are in this along so we kind of everything else is around the product so if your product is great got a great uh, visibility through platforms like shark tank i think that definitely aided we were making the same product even before but we were not able to reach to customers like uh, sushanto and you know all the other lovely customers who keep sending us such messages marketing visibility just being uh, visible as a consumer brand is critical but everything else has to be backed by a solid product so. and do these conversations do they also lead to like product insights new product lines you want to launch new flavors is that an everyday it sounds like it's an everyday process for you rather than like a more structured i do it once a month sort of a thing right it is so at one point like at the end of every week i was probably talking to over 100 customers myself i still uh, do a lot of surprise calls to customers and i receive a lot of the calls and they cannot believe most of the times that how is it possible that you are the one taking the call honestly if you are not listening to your customer most of the times they get carried away thinking our customer is me like if i like it or if people in my circle like it then that's a great product but having the insight ki who is your customer and uh, if your product is made for him or her then getting the insight from him or her about the product will take you a long way it will also keep you very like humble rooted grounded because initially when we uh, sold our beverages which was zero sugar these the ones i'm drinking a lot of the customers came back to us and they said that we didn't like it you know because it's unsweetened so we thought it's zero sugar you must have put stevia or you must have put something else to kind of make it sweet you know but it's unsweetened and you know why did you do that you should put stevia in it so you get all kinds of advice but some advice or some insights really stick with you like uh, one of our regular customers here in uh, hiradhani pawai he used to order box on boxes and he used to say can you introduce a larger pack because or can you introduce a refill for you know regular customers like me i just need to put like a 2 liter thing in my fridge so that i don't have to keep buying bottles uh, it also leads to packaging waste and it was absolutely bang on so we might be launching a refill pack very soon for customers like that so uh, a lot of the insights of business kind of come from the business itself yeah that's a very interesting perspective you know the example that you just gave about a repeat customer and insight into how you can repackage your products and i mean sustainability is already a very important thing for many of the customers today for a lot of us today i would say if someone is a tfit loyal user drinker i'm sure that sustainability at some point health sustainability future of you know how the world is uh, shaping up is also important and so this this is very very lovely insight there it was one of our customers also who said that shipping liquids across country has very high carbon footprints so would you mind taking the liquid out of this and the same thought was reiterated by an investor i met in a friendly capacity here in mumbai and he said the same thing that uh, you know do you have any idea how high the carbon footprint is of shipping liquids pan india i probably may not fully do away with this but the goal is always to minimize or just tread lightly or as lightly as a consumer brand as we can so we do try to keep a healthy balance of whether it is or liquids that we are shipping blended with premixes that are much that have a much lighter footprint on the planet so we try in the capacity that we can yeah 
And do you think that has an impact on also, you know, your visibility on a shelf? Your consumer behavior is shifting to a point where it's uh, instant commerce. That's the mantra, right? Like Q-commerce really took off in early days, but still it, it's it's something that's taken off. And people are shopping at the point of discovery and, you know, no longer based on only search-based, uh, you know, shopping, right? How has it, so together with that sort of a trend and the fact that you are also looking at like the larger footprint, etc. how do you, uh, you know, constantly think of iterate on this uh, visibility on a shelf, your go-to-market in such a busy category? It is, but it's also a category where a lot of um, brands kind of come and go. So we have a very local first approach, Kosh. It's not very glamorous, but I feel like it's very steady. So we try to do as many stores as we can in Mumbai first. Then maybe we will do like there is a chain of pharmacy stores in Mumbai, Wellness Forever. So we'll do 100 stores of Wellness Forever before I think of pushing my product to a Delhi or a, or, or a Bangalore or a Chennai. So I feel for a beverage brand, especially within FMCG, distribution is critical. And distribution, not just through online or owning the, you know, the D2C part of it, but also being available where your customer is. Beverage at the end of the day, no matter how much habit building you do, it is an impulse buy, right? So for every customer that buys a pack of 30 online for 30 days of TFIT, I'm more than sure there are like 20 customers that just want to you know, pick it up on the go on a hot day, right? So uh, I feel understanding your product, understanding your customer and understanding the journey and the touch points of where they are searching for it and how quickly, badly do they want it? How much are they willing to wait for it? So it is not a planned purchase like a grocery is for uh, most people. So for us, we were very clear that since, uh, you know, day one, that offline will be key to our growth and we try to build our footprints offline. Uh, coming back to, we want to kind of grow locally outwards, radially from Mumbai. So we are both deeper in Mumbai and uh, in Pune and then in Goa. And then we do have footprints in Delhi, Bangalore, Chennai and other cities, but it will always be tensor where we are and kind of then grow outwards from here. And this is, you know, a category where already there are there are big names, but I think somewhere, you know, being an alternate brand actually plays to your advantage, no matter how small, uh, there's something there. As long as I'm small, I'm alive and I'm thriving. I think the day uh, I am uh, <laughs> of a certain size, I am sure life will be tougher for me. <laughs> no, it, it keeps changing, evolving at every phase. And I think you're such a passionate founder, you'll always strive, right? Uh, but you are an alternate voice. You started out definitely as an alternate voice in the space, right? And I think somewhere that definitely has done done good because it makes you stand out. But as a young brand, like what kind of, how do you think new age processes, new age technologies, how much of that do you think makes you more nimble, makes you faster to go out there and grab more market? As far as the D2C play goes, I feel like just being available for your customers, being able to fulfill in time, being able to just be nice to them in their interactions. If these three things you're able to do, you'll have a lot more stickiness. So there are different channels which we currently kind of tap to increase retention, to be closer to our customers and uh, just have less friction in their entire purchase and, you know, uh, service journey. Through WhatsApp, we get a lot of inbound. So uh, we have a team looking at WhatsApp. We have a team... We don't have a bot on social media. We have actual humans handling Instagram. So if somebody responds, it's, it's somebody thinks it's not really a bot. It's, it, there's a people who are responding. So we try as much uh, 
I'm sure this will be a challenge with immense scale. But until we hit that immense scale, we try to keep it human as much as possible and uh, and not let the let technology kind of be an underlying layer and not kind of take over the entire customer experience where you know you always feel like you're talking to a bot. So we currently have uh, tools that we are using for WhatsApp, for Instagram, but all of that is uh, in the back end. And uh, that has definitely made uh, life a lot easier for people. Uh, but offline, I would say distribution building is key. You need to just be a good person. You need to put in that time to develop relationships in trade, in channels, do the really dull, dusty meetings with distributors and, you know, kind of give them that uh, confidence that you're there. They buy your product. You're not disappearing overnight with a single PO. And, you know, so... I think once you receive a second PO from a trade partner or from a distributor is when you know that there is meat in what you're doing. Industry trusts you and you can go the distance. So um, we have not ignored the offline channel. In fact, I feel like my biggest learnings have come from kind of trying to build distribution offline and it's a continuous process. Early days, but we seem to be doing okay. Yeah. Any interesting learnings and insights from offline? Another one of our classmates, actually Rahul, who uh, is the CEO at Epigamia, right? And the founder CEO rather. And I mean, they, of course, uh, built out a very, very strong offline distribution. I don't know a single person in my team who doesn't have an Epigamia in their refrigerator at some point in time. They've done really well and it's been a while too. Uh, but um, I think like for him, distribution, like offline, those, those distributor relationships that he struck has really, really, at that point in time, was a big differentiator for him. He did, you know, whenever we have met, he's always spoken about the strong focus on offline and how he uses online as almost like a, when I say online, I mean, not just marketplace, but also D2C. Q-commerce, of course, is, is something that's working, but D2C is using almost as like a product discovery and a product launch uh, sort of a channel, right? Any learnings uh, from offline and distribution and then how you are sort of taking the learnings online? So I would say it's easy to get greedy offline, especially like after Shark Tank. If I really wanted, I could have given franchises left right and center sold made a lot of money without having a clue on what a franchisee does because we got so much inbound inquiry so so i feel like it's uh if you're building a brand if you have that if your brand has that pull or if you as a founder or your team has the capacity to kind of really convince the trade then being conservative in the face of so much opportunity uh, is not easy, but it pays off in the long run because then people see you perform over time, you build credibility, and then the kind of name and trust you build in the channel. I feel it's very hard to come by by compared to, let's say, if you just put $1 million in the trade and say, you know, I need my products in 5,000 stores tomorrow, which could be done. But uh, I feel building grounds up really works in your favor. It also helps to have a shelf-stable product. If you ask me the ones... You know, inside, it's very difficult to do uh, frozen or cold chain in India. So hats off to Abhinamya and hats off to Rob Preston and hats off to everybody who did that and all the kombucha guys who were attempting that, trying that. I think it's a one big pain point out of your equation if you have shelf-stable product line, which we currently do. So that gives a lot of peaceful lines to your distributors. And uh, yeah, so that's one insight. I would definitely say that's come to, to our aid. We were tempted at one point to do this in glass bottles and have like a cold chain product, but we decided otherwise and it was a good call. Yeah, that's very interesting. Flipping the lens on, I think, just consumers and 
I think branding is you're a brand after all. How important is personal branding? And I see a lot of followers. I see a lot of love coming to you. <laughs> What would be your advice or take on personal branding and the impact of it in consumers? If I told you that I know nothing about personal branding, you will not believe me. But that's the truth. No, <laughs> I am a painfully shy person. I feel my outlet is or my skill is writing. It's not taking nice reels or selfies. Everybody has a superpower or a nice gift. I feel like my gift is uh, in uh, written word. So I have just been myself. I write in under five minutes. Every post of mine, nothing is planned. I don't have an assistant. It comes to my mind and I push it out. And I don't know if it's good or bad, but that's what it is. And I feel that's what clicks with people. Like they see a real person. Like I'm telling you, basis all the DMs that I get that uh, I keep it authentic and I keep it real. And I think people kind of connect with that. I'm very hands-on, so uh, grounded would be kind of. Preposterous to say yourself, but I'm pretty hands-on, and so I think that's what uh, people connect with. That uh, yeah, stay authentic and uh, stay true to yourself. Don't try to be famous. Like it's the same thing, right? When you are, when you want to become a celebrity, it's not a job that you do, right? You do something, and then the fame is kind of a byproduct of it. But if you kind of start to chase the algorithm that makes you famous i don't know maybe it works also for people gosh i honestly don't know i all i know is that i write kind of what i feel uh, like writing in that point i read a lot i'm aware i would consider myself generally aware of politics of sports of uh, movies of books so curious person uh, so i also have a lot to share and it usually is in the form of written text and people have resonated they like it and we see the results in fact in in shark tank i think you mentioned that your uh, you know mother in law was a big supporter and that actually enabled you to do a bunch of things that you do tell us i think uh, i'm sure a ton of people have already heard but it never gets old uh, tell us a little bit about that she never gets old she never gets old she still as fiery as she, she was 20 years ago she continues to be a big supporter of uh, what i do or what all the other women in her family do her own daughters me she's a phd she's highly qualified women for her age from the background that i come from i come from bihar where uh, people that time girls 30 years ago even if they do graduation they're considered probably overqualified so for that time she was a rebel she kind of went ahead she did a phd and that too on israel palestine relations which was kind of way ahead of its time again for the context where i come from i feel like somewhere she saw a little bit of her in me that i was a little headstrong in what i wanted to do and uh, she saw that i was struggling maybe financially and she felt bad at some point and she wrote me a check because i had put everything and i put whatever i had in the business and then covid struck and all of that and so then she wrote me a check and she like you go to market with this and uh, i owe her big time like i will owe her always yeah and i think that's such a wonderful example to your two sons right your your i would say nurturing and shaping to very strong i'm sure like you <laughs> minds uh, but they they're getting a very very i think balanced and better perspective on the world a grandmother who supports uh, who herself has uh, done things and a mother who's and uh, now um, you know very very loved uh, founder I, i have to say and uh, it's uh, how's that uh, experience like, what are the kind of questions that they ask you uh, i think the older one considers himself to be a co-founder so he has a say in everything at least he wants to have a say in everything and i let him have that like i let him have his moment but i ask him questions if i go home 
and uh, if there are questions around business like recently i was uh, debating whether i should do a green tea based energy drink he's like but why do you want to do energy drink aren't they like supposed to be bad with all this caffeine and taurine and aren't you supposed to be a healthy brand so he thinks he has that position to kind of uh, argue on these things and uh, so i let him have his point also gosh a lot of times when you look at things from outside in i think we attribute a lot but when you're living it you're just living it so you know on a day to day basis i don't honestly think much i just uh, want to kind of put one foot in front of the other that it's it was a good day we maximized whatever we could have done on that day and then go back home and see that the kids are all right they've not hurt each other they had a good day at school <laughs> and you know so but i am sure when you add it all together or uh, maybe 10 years from now when i look back hopefully it would have all kind of turned out fine so yeah that's the effort put one in, foot in front of the other for sure before we close for today i want to ask one question about being a solo friendner I, i mean it's startups not easy for create any kind of startup that you do um is hard and uh, being a solo friendner i don't know how you do it i have a co-founder i have a co- i have a founding team i feel very lucky i couldn't imagine uh, doing all of this on my own and you do and you try how do you do that so first of all i don't know how life would have been if i had a co-founder so i don't know the alternate scenario maybe if i knew that i would be struggling day in and day out so because maybe this is the only truth i know i kind of try to do as much as i can i also have a very capable team who are like swiss knives so we don't have teams like in so if somebody is looking at marketing i would also ask her to handle 10 calls on my behalf and she would do that so we have a lot of swiss knives in the team and uh, that is very critical to have i didn't have that before shark tank i was doing it with me a couple of other couple of people and a friend of mine literally that's it and and your baby co-founder yes i'll send you pictures of i've taken the packing uh, boxes also with child labor yes so but after uh, shark tank it just got like i had to hire people so we've made hires and that is a bit more sorted now maybe um, if you really ask me to hypothesize maybe if i had a co-founder perhaps i would have moved faster or maybe not like you kind of end up debating a lot of things where you could just take a faster call on because you're alone and the outcome you kind of find out fairly quickly whether it was a good call or a bad call so i feel like both have pros and cons and if it was a tech business i would definitely say that i would have needed a co-founder i know nothing about technology but it's an fmcg business i do have very capable people outside and inside the company who are on whose shoulders i stand honestly i mean there's so many people who have helped me who are not a part of the company but they're in every grain of my brand i owe them for life like i wouldn't be here i would like to name a few of them amitab goel from um, he was one of the manufacturers of paperboard i can't afford him otherwise i would have had him in the company by now but he owned one of the manufacturing facilities in which paperboard was made and he has been with me since day one anything i anywhere i'm stuck i need a bouncing board he's like a mentor and i have many such mentors i have kind of earned and collected over the years now so for all solopreneurs i would say it's very hard to do all the calls by yourself if you don't have a co-founder get a lot of mentors who are from the industry not just like good friends who you kind of feel good after talking with them um, but uh, real solid people from the industry i feel work out ho jata hai yeah i love that final final what's one take away one advice and a view of what's what's the fnb category in india going towards in the next 5 10 years what's your thoughts and view and what are you most excited about 
I am very excited about the time that I am here in today. It's decadal growth story for India. It's a phenomenal time to be a founder. It's a phenomenal time to be an entrepreneur. Funding winter, not funding winter aside, the consumption story for us is here to stay. If you are a founder who's not funding first, who wants to, who has a great idea for a product, or even honestly, I feel great ideas are a little bit overrated. Even if you just have like the grind in you for to stick it out for three four years with a regular product, another cola, another juice. another um, energy drink and if you are willing to give it those four years and work out the distribution work out your margins work out the right price points i didn't speak about that but critical uh, in, in the growth of any uh, in finding the right product market fit if you are willing to give it those three four years like nothing can stop you from actually creating something that will build value for a decade to come so i just feel overthinking about it may not or like really finding the perfect time may not be the right strategy if you have it today is the perfect time to be a startup founder there are just so many like there's a good uh, ecosystem around you now your shipping is sorted your product development is sorted and so the time and just the barriers to entry that were there previously do not exist today that's like both good and bad that you attempted far too easily to kind of try your hand and kind of move back but if you have perseverance then this is a great time to be an entrepreneur what is the checklist for product market fit like in specifically in your category what is the checklist that people have to keep in mind you have to know who your customer is that's the first point who are you making that product for is that a luxury product is that a premium product is that a mass premium is that a affordable product once you have that clarity the second thing to work on is the price point of the category because that's an established truth that what the customer will be willing to pay for in that category so know your customer know the price points of that category and then create a product that is that exists but is better that's the easiest way to find when you first time entrepreneur to the temptation to build something truly disruptive is always there like you just love the glory of it that i was the one who created it but even if you create a marginally better product at the right price point knowing fully well who your tg is and work on distribution you will have a product market fit you will have a winner and the communication of like what is the value proposition clearly named so for example we named our brand tfit i didn't have the funds to kind of educate the customer by calling it elixir for example if a bottle of elixir is on the shelf i only get that one snap judgment moment from a customer on a shelf that what's this about so i just wanted this to be as crystal clear it's tea it's fit uh, it's a fit form of a beverage that probably has tea in it so this was the clearest that i could get the moment i got trademark for it i just went for it i didn't want a fancy name so uh, these small small things they seem trivial and they seem counterintuitive uh, because you would say it's a very common name or it's a very simple name if uh, if you can crack upon a simple memorable name find the right product at the right price point in the right distribution channel uh, you will get product market fit yeah so thank you jyoti uh, for this really great chat uh, and and we had few really interesting nuggets i think my favorite was that uh, you have a baby co-founder i didn't know that we would have invited him into our talk today <laughs> uh, we we should definitely do that we'd love to have you back we'll definitely do that at some point uh, with you and your uh, son and yeah thank you so much for this and you know we are very excited to get live uh, on this episode 
Thank you so much for inviting me. It was wonderful talking. I can't wait uh, for the next time. Thank you so much. And that's it. That was awesome. And thank you folks for listening in. If you enjoyed the chat, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast right here. And of course, do hop on to Mason at www.getmason.io. That's www.getmason.io. We got more Ace in the Hole insights, conversion tips, and just everything that you need to scale your e-commerce brand. Catch you next time.